This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Amen. Well, church, I invite you to grab a Bible and turn to Psalm 126. Psalm 126, if you didn't come with a Bible this morning, we've got some black Bibles there in the chairs. Uh, Just take that home, enjoy that as a gift. Psalm 126 is where um, we're turning. And this morning, I want us to do uh, a little remembering, a little remembering. Psalm 126 guides us through a little bit of uh, remembering. So uh, I remember the story as, as it was told to me that a pastor in Jolton had a dream while he was asleep that he was knocking on doors in Sango. And uh, he woke from that dream and believed that the Lord had uh, given him that dream and that he was going to lead his church to somehow help plant a church in uh, Sango. And so he ended up meeting with four other pastors and they began to pray for two years. Uh, They would meet every couple of months to gather together uh, and, and to pray together. And about two years after gathering and praying and gathering and praying, uh, I was invited to come and meet with these guys and uh, pray with them about the possibility of planting real life. And almost immediately, I had this sense from the Lord that we needed, uh, to, we needed to plant this, this church. And so in, uh, in 2017, uh, my family, December of 2017, uh, my family moved uh, to Clarksville. And, uh, and these pastors, this was what was so cool about the story of real life is these, these pastors all invited me to preach in their churches and then they would get up and encourage their people to pray about and to consider helping us launch this church. And um, which is so cool to have that kind of enthusiastic partnership from other local pastors saying, hey, we're with you. We want to see this flourish and succeed. And so, um, so we had a core team of about 60 adults, and we began to meet on Sunday mornings. And here's a picture, uh, or rather Sunday nights, here's a picture of those initial Sunday nights. We would gather over in Hilldale's Family Life Center, and uh, for about two hours every Sunday night, and, and I would teach, and they would discuss, and we would pray all in preparation to launch real life. And uh, these were really sweet days, and um, my goal was to basically deprogram these folks from an overprogrammed church mentality and to equip them to live and think like missionaries. So our dream as a church was that we would have a, a, a group of people that knew their neighbors' fears, hopes, and dreams. What I had observed is that the modern family, the average modern family, just seems like they're trying to come up for air on Friday. They say things like, man, we're busy, or life is insane, or life is crazy. Have you heard those phrases, or have you heard anybody use those phrases? And I thought, well, we don't want to add to the insanity. We want to help people fight for margin in their own personal lives. And then we want to have a church that does less, but does it well and has margin so that we're not trying to fill your life with endless Christian activity. But we really, as a church, we really want to rediscover the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And we want to start next door and at the ballpark and at the gym and at work um, in, in doing that. Uh, we launched public worship gatherings uh, on September 9th, 2018. And leading up to that, uh, you know, as you walk through here, you see we've got lots of stuff that gets set up, lots of signs and lots of things. 
Well, um, back then in our babies area, we had all these baby gate kind of things, you know, all these portable walls that got set up and all of that, or we, we wanted to have those. Well, we found some, but they couldn't be shipped by the time that we needed to. Um, <laughs> we were buying so much stuff on Amazon that our card got flagged, right? And so this is church planting. If you buy more than like $6,000 worth of stuff on Amazon, they flag it assuming you've stolen the card. So then you've got to go through and convince them, no, we didn't steal the card. We are us using our card to buy all this stuff. Anyways, so we were in a dilemma. We didn't have the baby gates. We were having our first preview service to welcome people in for worship. And um, Chuck and Sherry Colwell, Chuck took off work. They got in a U-Haul. They drove to St. Louis, picked up baby gates that we found, and drove them back so that we could have them on Sunday morning so that we could welcome families in to our first preview service in real life, the story of real life is a story of people like Chuck and Sherry stepping up saying, we want to do whatever we've got to do to open our arms wide and welcome people in. In Psalm 126, we see the people of God remembering and rejoicing. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to remember and to rejoice. So look at Psalm 126 with me and look at the first three verses. Psalm 126 let me just set the context, and then we'll read this together. Um, this is a, 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 a song, a psalm of ascent. So the people of God would sing this as they're heading up to worship in the temple. And this, the context of this is they're recounting how the Lord had delivered them out of captivity in Babylon. Can you imagine what it would be like to be captive from a people? We, we, we've kind of watched this on the news with Ukraine and Russia, as Russia has invaded Ukraine and people have just been running, right? And you can, we've just imagined what it might feel like to be in Ukraine's situation. Well, here God's people, God's people Israel had been cap captive by Babylon. And the Lord restored them. The Lord restored them to their land and, and they remember, now in this psalm, they're remembering how the Lord had restored them and they're rejoicing. Look at it with me, verse 1 through 3. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream. I'll just pause there. That language is intentional to say it was so good getting out of captivity, coming back to our land, being restored. It was so good. It was like a dream. That's how good it was. Verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So here's what God's plan all along was. It was to have such a special relationship with his chosen people, Israel, that the nations of the world would look and desire that kind of blessing. It's that they would look at this special relationship that Israel had with God, their maker, and that the nations of the world would long to know God in that way. And in the fullness of time, God's plan was to take the gospel to the Gentiles so that all nations might, might know. Verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. You guys, when I think about all that God has done at real life, I, um, I feel like this psalm encompasses what my heart feels in that it has felt like a dream. <laughs> it's just felt like a dream. Like week after week, 
month after month, seeing people come to know Jesus, seeing people's lives restored, seeing people begin to read their Bible for the first time ever, and seeing a gathering like this of people that celebrate the grace of God. It's been like, it's been like a dream. And, and I resonate so deeply with verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. This morning, my desire is just to lead us through a time of remembrance and rejoicing in what God has done. Are you guys okay with that? Can we do that together this morning just to give him glory? The day we launched the church, we sent Jacob Miller to Zimbabwe. How cool is that? The very day that we launched public worship gatherings, we're blessed to send a missionary out. In our early days, we would do this outreach called Bright Friday. And you guys, if you've ever worked in retail, you know that Black Friday, back in the day, it was terrible, right? It's like all these people, they come, they fight to get in line. They, they're, you know, it's like materialism and greed, like turned up to volume 10, right? And we all want the big sales, you know? And, and, and we just forget that people woke up early to open the store and to be kind and to check us out. And we just rushed to get the big TV, you know? And so we wanted to turn Black Friday into Bright Friday. So what we did is we reached out to all these businesses in town and said, hey, can we bring all your employees uh, a, a Black Friday survival kit that we called them Bright Friday survival kit. And so for every business that would, that would agree, we showed up on Black Friday at 7 a.m. We took over a thousand bags to businesses all over just to, just to bless those that were waking up early, just to say, hey, we see you, we appreciate you, and uh, we want to brighten your Black Friday just a little bit. Well, you know that like Black Friday is not what it used to be, right? So it's now it's like Monday and Tuesday and Thanksgiving. And so it's kind of lost its ump. And so we've moved on to other uh, outreaches. But as a church, we've been able in just less than four short years, we've sent a mission team to Guatemala, a mission team to London. When we, when we started the school, we adopted Carmel Elementary School, which is where we met. And we adopted them um, just to invest in them, just to fill their bathrooms with lotions and do all kinds of breakfasts for the teachers um, I, I feel like it's harder to be a teacher now today than, than any time in, in history. And so we adopted Carmel, and under Donna Springer's leadership, um, our local school outreach has grown to, to four different schools that we're invested in uh, caring for. We've, seen, we've sent two tornado relief teams and one flood relief uh, team, and we've seen dozens and dozens of people come to Jesus and follow him through baptism. And we've sent kids to camp and disciple nows and retreats. And how cool is this? Uh, we had a, a guy that was going to relaunch a church come to us and say, hey, we want to relaunch this church as real life Hollister, Missouri. So we want, to take your, we want to take your systems and your values and we believe in what you're doing and God's called us to, to rejuvenate this church and we want to be real life Hollister. And, uh, and today in Hollister, Missouri, there's a church that's growing as real life Hollister. It's a beautiful thing. Um, we, were, we were experiencing such a wave of momentum and such a wave of growth when COVID hit. Um, we had launched in October a second service, and once we launched the second service meeting in Carmel Elementary School, the church just continued to grow, and we hit, had some all-time high Sunday attendances right before COVID shut things down, and um, you guys, like, how brutal has those two years been? I mean, some of us took financial hits that we never dreamed we would take. Some of us have had strained relationships that we never thought would be strained, some of us have just been wandering, trying to figure out. It's, it's been a really difficult couple of years. But what was beautiful is to see how Jesus continued to build his church through the pandemic. 
um, you guys, we, we pivoted to the parking lot to do drive-in worship, and you guys were like, yes, let's go. Um, so if you weren't there with us, I want you to see what happened in real life when the pandemic hit. This is beautiful. Watch, watch this video. I mean, just to get a sense of what God is doing, how many of you uh, were there at real life in those days when we were in the parking lot? Look around. Now, how many of you have joined in at real life since those days in the parking lot? Look around. It was beautiful. Beautiful to see the, the movement, the movement of God. Um, just, just incredible. Um, well, about, about a year later, uh, I came down with COVID pneumonia. And uh, spent 14 days in the hospital. And many of you know that uh, story, but many of you don't. You've kind of jumped into this river uh, since all that has taken place. And so we just want you to understand what God has done in our church. We, we want you to be able to remember things that you don't yet know. 
um, so that we can rejoice together this morning at God's good work. Um, it was amazing how this church hit their knees when I got sick and how you guys prayed for me and how just a, an extraordinary movement of prayer broke out out of this church and people really all over the place were praying for me. It was quite extraordinary, but this church continued to shine bright as I'm laid up in the hospital and isolated and fighting to breathe and this church just continued to march on and you saw the hand of Jesus building his church. Um, and the, the day that I first came back and was able to speak, uh, we've got a little video that I want you to see of that just so you can dial into what we were going through. Morning, church. You can sit down. I love you. It's so, so good to be with you. So, so good to see you. You too can lose 20 pounds in two weeks. You just contract COVID pneumonia and spend a week in ICU. Guaranteed to drop it. Feel like a puny old man. Uh, your love and support has just been um, next level. So amazing. Our family's so thankful. Um, it's, uh, it's what the church is supposed to be and do, um, but to receive it tangibly, just humbling to the core. We're so, so thankful. Um, as you guys know, our, uh, our land search team found land, and uh, I see Mary Poor. She's a member of our land search team. Would you stand up, Mary? Um, is Ricky Thomas here? Did Ricky head on home? Is Ricky in the room? Uh, Ricky was here for the first service, and Steve Springer's out of town, and Luke Baggett is still worshiping um, from home. But as we shared with you several weeks ago, the, uh, we hit an obstacle, and uh, we, we didn't share all the details. Of what... Twenty pounds back on, and <laughs> another ten pounds back on, and <laughs> that, that's, where, that's where we're stopping. So, so. Hopefully going back a little bit. Um, the obstacle that I was talking about, many of you have heard about it, but many of you don't know about it. I want to tell you about what we, what we hit. Um, we found land, amazing location right next to Sango Elementary, great price. The Lord just put it in our lap. We got a contract on the land, and then our lawyer found a restriction from the deed in 1964 when the original landowner sold it to the current owners that was then trying to sell it to us. And the restriction in the deed had funny things like no more than two dogs and 50 chickens could be on the land. And it's because that's what you put in deed restrictions back in 1964. But it also said the land must be used for residents only, which means we can't build a building there as a church. It could, the land could only be used for residents only. And when the land was originally sold back in 1964, it was plotted out similar to the way a, a new neighborhood would be plotted out and have like uh, HOA rules, right? Homeowners Association uh, rules. And uh, so all these other properties had the same restrictions in the deed of no more than two dogs and 50 chickens and must be used for residents only. So the underwriter said, if we're going to underwrite this and you're going to build a, a building here, the current owners had to go find the last living heir of the original owners that sold it to them back in 1964. They had to go find the last living heir, and then they had to convince the last living heir to sign to terminate the restrictions. Um, now, 
let me just push the pause button there. When we learned this, on the same day, on the front page of ClarksvilleNow.com, there was an article about uh, Sango neighbors uh, uh, signing a petition kind of a deal to keep their neighbor from parking his semi-truck in his driveway. Because <laughs> they didn't want that, right? Like, people live in Sango because it's beautiful, and they don't want a lot of commotion, right? So we're thinking... Oh, we gotta get, we gotta get the last living heir to sign to cancel the restrictions, and then we had to get eleven neighbors to sign to consent to the termination of the restrictions. You guys, this felt like to me like like a story right out of the Bible, like David and Goliath. Like this isn't happening, and our lawyer said this isn't happening, and I just thought, oh my goodness. So, so here we go. In God's great providence, we find, the, the, the sellers, they find the last living heir. And they convince the last living heir to sign, to terminate the restrictions. So now it's like, okay, now we got the 11 neighbors. So they send letter to the neighbors. Four of them immediately send back signing it. One said, not going to sign it. One said, not going to talk to you. And then we got 11 of them. And we got four signatures. So for the one that said, not going to sign it. I called her neighbor who had signed it and I said, hey, what do you think about me and you going over to her house? And she said, well, let me go over before, you know, let me go over by myself, you know, before you go, you know. And, uh, and so she went over and talked to her and she called me that night. And she said, well, she's a little further along when I left than when she was when I got there. She said she might change her mind in three or four days. It's like, okay, so we're praying, you know, we're praying. And like, we're not announcing all the details to the church because that could just get messy, right? Everybody's calling their cousin who knows so-and-so, you know, and trying to, you know, like we're not, we're going to keep this circle tight and we're going to handle this, you know, and, and um, well, three or four days later, she, she signs. So then I've got a, a friend of the 11 that I knew growing up and they said, would you call him? So I'd called him three times, no answer, texted him three times, no answer. I called back a fourth time. He answers, hey, what are you doing? I'm washing my dog. Do you want me to call you back? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> call him back, no answer. And then there's a, a widow woman in her 80s. She has no living family. And they go by and they knock on her door. The dog's barking, nobody comes to the door. We're calling, nobody's picking up. We're like, we're thinking the worst, right? Well, fortunately, we found a connection that knew her and just a crazy connection that, that knew her and got word to her, hey, we'd like to talk. So I'm at a conference in Florida, on the phone, talking to Miss Betty, who's in her 80s, widow, no living family. And I'm trying to explain what I just told you. Like, deed from 1964, we need you to sign a, your signature, you know? Like, can you imagine, like, trying to process that? Like, who understands that, you know? It's like, I ain't signing anything. No, thank you very much, you know? And so it's like every minute of the conversation, it just got more complex and more confusing. And I thought, okay, we got to go a different route. So I said, Miss Betty, all we really need to know is, are you opposed to a church meeting on that land? Well, you know, some of my neighbors don't go to church. <laughs> It'd probably be good for a church to be on that land. I said, well, would you sign saying that you're okay with that? Sure, I'll sign. So, so then the sellers, they go by, they knock on her door, she answers the door, she signs. Well, I, I called them to tell them, hey, she said she'd sign. And I said, hey, I'm still trying to reach my buddy. And they said, well, don't worry about it. He's already mailed his in. He signed. I'm like, are you serious? He wouldn't even call me back. So now we've got all of it have 10 signatures out of 11. And we're working every angle we can to find this other guy. And it's Dead end, brick wall, dead end, brick wall. 
And I tell our lawyer, I said, would you just ask, just ask him, the underwriter, if he'll take 10 signatures. And he said, he's not going to do it. I said, just ask him if he'll take 10 signatures. So he put on his charm and reflected about the old days. And, you know, he's like, what do you need? And he's like, would you just take 10 signatures? And he said, yeah, what the heck, I'll take 10 signatures. It's like, now we got the land. We get the, the deed is, like, you guys, how crazy is that? Listen, that is the early days of real life. The Lord moving on 10 people's hearts to say, I'll sign, I'll sign, I'll sign, I'll sign, I'll sign. Isn't that crazy? The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Um, I... uh, after we got the 10 signatures, the day after I bite the dust with COVID, I'm in the hospital. And um, I finally come back and we sign it and, and we, we bought the land and we lacked $70,000 $70, to pay it off in full. And we brought it before you, church, and in two weeks you paid off the full 70000 just like that. Amazing. Glory to God. Isn't that amazing? So cool. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. That's what it feels like. It's just like a dream. Well, what have we seen God do this year? Um, This morning, we're just remembering and rejoicing. We're just pausing this morning to remember what God has done and to rejoice in what God has done. Um, We have adults who are reading their Bible, the sacred scriptures, for the first time in their life. I got a text the other day from a man that says, I'm now finding myself talking about the Bible with my kids. They're, they're pros compared to me, and it's helping me raise them better. Come on, church. Because of your serving, because of your giving, I've got a dad sending me a text unsolicited saying, you're helping me raise my kids better talking to him about the Bible. I talk about church at work. I'm so freaking excited about it all and look forward to waking up each day to see what happens. That's what God is doing in the hearts and minds of people at real life. New beginnings. There's a young woman that was about to head to, to, to grad school out of state. But because her heart was so captivated by what God was doing at real life, she decided to change the school she was going to and stay here at real life. We looked for an associate pastor for 10 months. It was exhausting and discouraging, interviewing people after person after person after person. And God sent us, just in the last couple of months, Pastor Tim Nussbaumer. He's about to, uh, he's got, he's about to preach a four-week series called Rhythms, kicking off next week. He's been an absolute godsend. It's amazing what God is doing. Um, God has moved on the heart of Daniel Cox, our ministry associate. He's renewed a calling to ministry in Daniel's heart that Daniel felt many, many, many years ago. And so Daniel is now enrolled to start seminary this fall. He was signed up to take Greek and Hebrew in the same semester. I said, Daniel, don't do that. (laughs) Thank me later. You guys, we've had 28 people baptized this year alone. And last month, as I shared with you last week, last month was the largest single giving month to our general budget in the history of our church. Amazing. Several months ago, a woman's husband was was dying. And she called our church in distress. And she called two other churches. And our church was the only church that called her back on that day. And we connected her with one of our elders, Brother Bing Verbist. Her husband ended up dying, and I had the privilege of preaching her funeral. She had moved from out of state. She knew no one here. But now she's come to real life. She's been baptized, and she knows many of you here. A widow here 
in our church. A 34-year-old woman was saved while worshiping online. Came, was baptized a couple of weeks ago, and is soon stepping into our worship ministry and will be leading on this stage us in worship. How amazing is that? The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. You guys, a couple of weeks ago, Tyrell Gash was teaching the students at Real Life Students on Sunday night, and he was on the back deck, and, uh, and he was just preaching his heart out and sharing testimony. And uh, <laughs> in God's providence, a man's driving down the road, spills his drink in his lap, pulls into Sango Elementary School parking lot, gets out to clean up the mess, and he hears Tyrell preaching. And he's captivated by what he hears. And he walks up and peeks his head around the trees. <laughs> and he's listening. Well, Alex Morris, our missions pastor, was there, and he's seeing the dude creeping around the trees. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to go figure out what's going on over here, you know. Nobody, we don't let people creep on the kids. So he goes over there, and he hears this story. The guy just, and, and the Lord was moving on his heart through Tyrell's message. And he said, well, you can meet him. You can come over and talk. And he said, really? Yes, absolutely. He said, let me go get my mom. He goes and gets his mom and he comes over and they talk about the gospel right there on the back. Listen, God did that. We could never facilitate somebody spilling their drink in their lap. Come on. That's nobody's wise strategy. That's the living God saying, I'm building my church and I'm going to spill a drink in this guy's lap so he can hear the message of the gospel and be drawn in to my story and to my love. Isn't that amazing? There's a young woman who had two unrelated connections to real life, a work relationship, and then she was babysitting for a family. And because she had these two connections, she thought she would attend. And she attended and she filled out a card and somehow her connect card got misplaced. And if you know how we roll around here, you know that's a little bit of an emergency if we misplace somebody's connect card. We're super passionate about following up with people because it's the living God that's pursuing us. So we want to reach out so that we can be the agents of God's pursuit in people's lives. Well, well the card gets resurfaced and it's about two or three weeks after she attended. And we call her. And I, I happened to call her, and she said, this is amazing. I'm getting emotional because I was just sitting on my couch praying and asking God if I should stay here or move back to Michigan, and you just called. That's the Lord, friends, working through a mistake that we made so that at just the right time, she got a call from real life saying, the Lord is pursuing you in his love. Uh, we, just, uh, we just recently had a family that moved from Princeton, New Jersey uh, to Clarksville, and they've been visiting our church. And how crazy is that? Pastor Tim Nussbaumer lived 10 minutes down the road, our brand new associate pastor, and he knows their pastor in Princeton. That's only the Lord working and doing great things for us. Do you see it, friends? Do you, can you see the, the invisible hand of God at work in our midst? We don't want to lose sight of what God... Many of us have been a part of churches where looking for evidences of God's grace, we had to search really, really hard. Many of us have been a part of churches where there were seasons of sorrow and seasons of trial and seasons of difficulty. But today we remember what God has done and we rejoice because the Lord has done great things for us. When you serve and when you give, you're paving the way for God's work to advance. We just got this text this week. 
I just want to thank you and the elders for praying with my mom last night. I can't even express what this meant to her and my family. I think my dad needed this as much as she did. Her faith and spirit keep us all going. But I know she has found difficulty in understanding why her and what is her purpose and knowing how God is using uh, her through this. My boys love their mom, mom, and being able to be a part of this and being able to express their feelings has meant the world to them. It's so comforting to know that the Holy Spirit will step in for us when we can't find the words to pray. The Lord watches out for His children, and I'm so thankful that we are all His children. On a side note, real life has been such a blessing to me and my family since day one. You have been there for the joys of my children accepting Christ and being baptized and through the downfalls and sadness of the divorce. My community group, or my tribe as I call them, have been my rock. They push me, question me, guide me, pray for me, love me, and praise with me. My children look up to all of them, including the other children, teens of my community group members. They have helped guide them and allowed them to ask questions and pray with them. I don't know how I would have made it without the love from this church. You all have blessed me financially and spiritually, and I will forever be grateful from the bottom of our hearts. My family thanks you, Pastor, your family, the elders, my tribe, the church, and ultimately our loving Father for all the blessings and love that he has bestowed on us. This is you, church. This is us. This is, this is God as, we're, as we are the body of Christ. Verse 2 in Psalm 126 says, And our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. When we recognize the hand of God and we tell the story of what God is doing in this place, those that are outside look in and recognize the move in the hand of God. I want to throw a, a picture up on the screen of our most recent gathering on the land. And as you think about this story that this, that this now single mom shared about how this church has cared for her, I just want you to think about story after story after story after story after story in this gathering. The stories of how God has met people in this place, how God has encouraged people, and how God has searched and found people in this place and in this gathering. And as I look at this picture, I just think, look at all that green space we need to fill up. Look at all that green space. So this morning, we remember and rejoice. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. I want to give just a, a peek into what's coming up at Real Life Pastor Tim will kick off a sermon series next week called Rhythms. Would you come and encourage him? Would you come and sit on the front row with your Bible open, a pen in hand, and your journal? Would you come to encourage our new associate pastor? Dig into God's Word. It's going to be a great series. I'm going to take a few weeks off. I'm as, I'm as excited as I am tired. So pray for me that I experience renewal. We've got a mission team headed to London. Uh, this month, and they're going to come back and report about the great work of our partnership with the church plant in London. We've got students at camp. They left yesterday, uh, and they're worshiping the Lord today. Pray for them that they hear the voice of God. We've got kids headed to camp later this month. Last year, we sent out a survey. We've been experiencing growth. If you look around this room, I were on a holiday weekend, and would you just look around this room and see how packed this room is? We were feeling the crunch. We were feeling how tight it was. We realized that if we don't create space, we're going to hit a lid. 
In a post-COVID world, people don't love coming together in a crowded room. Some people don't, some people don't give a rip. Thank you for not giving a rip. And some people care a lot. We had somebody come to attend our church during the pandemic because our ceiling had tall, because we had tall ceilings. <laughs> it wasn't like great sermon. It wasn't like good music. It was like, thank you for the tall ceiling. We'll, we'll take it, Lord. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Um, last year, we sent out a survey, and you guys were awesome to reply to the survey. You gave us great feedback. And church, can I just tell you, like, what you didn't say in the survey was, no, don't go to a third service. That's going to mess up my Sunday morning schedule. I mean, a couple of you did, but not many, all right? Most of you were like, hey, whatever we need to do, whatever we need to do to make space for more people, whatever we need to do to make space for more people. And as we prayed over it, and as we considered the feedback you gave, we realized that we're, we're, we're understaffed. And so, though we need as a church to do this, um, our staff is small. And it may not be wise to do that. Um, the COVID dust had not settled, so we just weren't sure what was coming up. And we just didn't sense the green light from the Holy Spirit. And so we've just waited. You know, there's a glory in waiting on the Lord. Some of you are waiting for something that you've prayed for and longed for for a long time. And we just waited. We just waited. And a couple of months ago, we got a call from the owners of this building. And they said, hey, we need to talk about the future. And they said, we're going to repurpose the room you're meeting in. <laughs> Our hearts sank. And, um, and they said, but, but we're not telling you we don't have a space for you to meet. And so they, we came over and they walked us back over into what's called Acme Athletics. If you've never been in there, it's a massive room. Um, lots of athletic floors. And they said, we think we can, check this out, we think we can um, put, a, put a doorway here where there's not one. <laughs> and put a wall here where there's not one. So that you guys can have church because... We, we need to do something else in this space. Are you serious? Yeah, we want to, they walked, we want to create a door here so you guys can walk through here. And we want to put a wall here so that it makes sense. You guys, the space is massive. So the beauty of it is um, we're going to be able to create space for your coworkers and your neighbors and your family and all the new people that are moving to Montgomery County and the surrounding counties to be able to join us and find a home at Real Life like you have found at Real Life. We're going to be able to create more space this fall without having to go to a third service, without having to overtax our volunteers, or without having to overtax our staff. We're going to be able to just... <laughs> Who did that? The Lord did that. The Lord did that. The Lord did that. The Lord did that. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. We're gl we are filled with joy. We are filled with joy. We're looking to, to hang the speakers, and in order to fill the space, we'll, we'll probably need to purchase some new speakers. So the speakers and the installation, we're likely going to have a, a huge covering that will cover the floor so we don't scar up their floor uh, every, every week. Um, 
And in the pipe and drape that you see like this, uh, the, the room is big. We're going to need a lot more pipe and drape. We're going to need some new directional signs so that we don't lead you to the bathroom, but we lead you to the new worship center uh, as you're trying to go, you know, you want to be at the right place. Um, and so right now the budget is looking like about $40,000 um, that we weren't planning for and accounting for. Now you heard the good news. Last month was our biggest month of giving that we've ever had to the general budget. Praise God and thank you. But this morning, would you just ask, Lord, what do you want me to, to dig in a little deeper to get us into this new space so that we can welcome our community this fall into this space? Just pray and ask the Lord what he would have you give. Um, we're looking most likely September-ish, but it's all in the Lord's hands, out of our control, and we'll see. Um, well, as our church grows, um, and as you've heard this um, testimony of this mom talk about her tribe, her community group. Um, if more people are going to have those stories, if more people are going to experience and find family, um, more people are going to need to step up and host community groups and facilitate community groups. So I just want to ask you this morning, is there any good reason, would you ask the Lord this, is there any good reason why I can't host a community group in the fall or why I can't facilitate a community group in the fall? Now, you may go, there's five good reasons. Right on. We get it. But would you just ask the Lord, is there any good reason why we can't host a community group or facilitate a community group? And why is that? It's because people that haven't yet found the hope of Jesus need to find the hope of Jesus. It's because people who are lonely and alienated and isolated and disconnected and they're almost at the end of their rope because they just barely made it through a pandemic, they're going to find family. They're going to find people that look in their eyes and care about how their week was and pray for them and encourage them in community groups. And that's going to happen because some of you who thought, I'll never do that since the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart today. And you go, okay, maybe I will do that. So would you just commit it to the Lord and pray? Church, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and, and give God thanks. Father, we pray. We just give you praise. We give you praise. Father, would your hand be mightily upon us as a church? Lord, would you protect us and guide us and fill us with your spirit and let us be salt and light here? This morning, Father, we rejoice. We remember and rejoice. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.